Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, take your Bibles and turn to Malachi chapter 3. Now, uh, that's going to stretch you a little bit because Malachi is not an um, uh, easy book to find, but I'll help you. It's the last book in the Old Testament, so it's right before the book of Matthew, if you can find it, about two-thirds of the way through your Bible, Malachi chapter 3. I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled, Grow, Becoming the Person God Meant for You to Be. And here's what we know. God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son, and God wants us to be like Jesus. But that doesn't happen just because you're a Christian. That happens as you grow in your walk with him. We call the, these growth steps in the Christian life, we call these spiritual disciplines. And so these spiritual disciplines are things that are not things you do one time, but they're just built into the character of your life. And as we do these things, God blesses our walk and we grow because here's what we know, that God's vision for our lives is greater than our vision for our lives. God has big plans for our life, but it's only going to happen as we grow. So we've talked about grow up and read up and pray up and serve up and church up. And today I want to talk about this subject, give up. Now, everybody look right this way. Like, just give me eye contact for a moment. Wells Fargo did a study, uh, a research project long ago, and they talked about what were the most awkward conversations for people to have. And let me give you them in reverse order. Uh, like number five on the list, or six, I forget, was uh, your personal health. And then there were taxes, amen. And then there was uh, uh, religion. And then there was politics. The second most awkward thing to talk about was death. But do you know what the first most awkward thing to talk about was? Money. We would rather plan our funeral than plan our budget. Money's an awkward conversation. So keep eye contact with me here for just a moment. Ross will hear wherever you may be. Overflow, get this. I'm going to talk about giving today, and I want you to hear my heart as a pastor. We're just going to have a conversation. Now, if you're hearing your first-time guest, I know, man, I know you walked in, you said, I, know, I knew it. I knew I'd come to church, and that's all they talk about is money. No, we don't do that rarely, but today's a day we're going to talk about it because it's one of the spiritual disciplines you find in the Bible. Now, let me say this. This is not the preacher getting up saying the church needs more money. I, I'm going to address that in the sermon. That is not the case. We are over budget for the year, but we're under vision, if you understand what that means. We're already over budget for the year, but we're under our vision of what we feel like God wants us to do in our area. We're, 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 we're wanting to make a difference with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're wanting to do something supernatural with the gospel. So we're over budget, but under vision, if you, you get what I'm saying. That's not this sermon. This is not saying, I, I'm so thrilled that the last two weeks our offerings have been, have put us over budget. I'm not up here saying, oh, we're behind. We're, no, no, we're one of the few churches that are ahead. And so I'm thankful for all that. This is not that sermon, nor would I ever preach that sermon. This is a sermon that addresses giving for us. And here's what I want to do. From the bottom, I'm, I'm being a pastor today. From the bottom of my heart, I want to talk about 
a principle of spirit, a spiritual discipline that my wife and I have enjoyed throughout our married life over 30 years that we feel like is the reason we have had God's favor and blessing on our lives in so many ways. Now you understand the Bible talks about giving more than it talks about heaven, right? So this is a, and we'll talk about why that is. So hear your pastor's heart today. This is not me going, ah, you ought to do this and you ought to do an offering plate. Now they're passing buckets, not even passing plates in that place. No, this is not that sermon. And, and I don't have a conversational preaching tone. I only have this tone when I preach, right? Like I got one gear and, and I don't have the let's have a fireside chat gear, right? This is the only one I got. And so, but this is not me fussing today. This is not me knowing how many, this is me trying to, listen to me, church, I am trying to help you. And I hope you hear my heart with that because this is about you and God uh, and giving. So let's talk about it for a little bit today. I don't know if you saw this uh, picture here, a guy named Tyler Heap. Tyler Heap lives in Urbandale, Iowa. And Tyler Heap was playing the lottery and he won a dollar. And Tyler Heap did something nobody had ever done. He did not cash the dollar in at the local handyway or stop and rob or whatever it is. He didn't hand it in there. Tyler Heap went to the lottery commission. He gave them his winning dollar ticket and he said, I want a big check. And he just to see what they would do. Do you know what they did? I love this. They gave him a big check. And I, there's some things, you, you can see it on the screen maybe. Down in the left-hand column, they wrote in, stinking rich. <laughs> Iowa Lottery. Their tagline is, woohoo for you. Woohoo for Tyler, man. He won himself a dollar. And so here's the deal. I love it. He's a winner, right? If anybody ever asks Tyler, have you won the lottery? The answer is always and forever, yes, and I've got a big check to prove it. Doesn't matter if you won a million or if you won a dollar. A winner is a winner. Hey, can I tell you, sometimes in the church, we get that same mentality. Sometimes in the church, we get the mentality that, well, a giver is a giver. Like if I, I put money in the offering plate when it goes by a preacher, why, why are we on this subject? Well, I want you to know, listen, listen, hear my heart. I want you to spend most of the morning looking at me if you don't mind. Listen, hear my heart. I want you to know we appreciate and we are thankful for every dollar you contribute to the cause of Christ at Peavine Baptist Church. We're thankful for every single dime, every single dollar. We take none of that for granted. I just got out of a budget and finance meeting. I, I mean, I understand we are spending people's tithe money. We are spending God's money. Like, I get it. We take that very, we're so thankful every dollar. But get this, you've got to understand when it comes to giving, you can't miss this principle. You do not give money to Peavine. You give your tithes to God through your giving is a matter of principle and character and obedience between you and God now the principle is you give it to God through the church that's throughout the scripture we'll look at some verses on that in a moment but you're not giving your money to the church you're giving it to God through the church and before we get any further in the conversation, I meant to do this earlier. When I, you hear me use the word tithe, that is the Bible word for a tenth. That is one-tenth of your income. So if you make $100, that's $10. If you make $1,000, that's $100. You get the principle. Just divide by 10. That's what God calls a tithe. 
If there's one area in the church when it comes to spiritual disciplines that the church at large is, is disobedient, it's in this area of tithes and offerings. Researchers tell us that in best case scenario, in any church in America, 10 to 25% of the members tithe and give even above and beyond their tithes. At best, a quarter of a percent. Not only that, per capita giving since 1990 has dropped by 50% to the church. Not this church, but churches in general. Dropped by 50%. Not only that, the average Christian gives 2.5% to the church. You say, is that good or bad? Well, we know it's below the tithe, but get this. In the Great Depression, the average Christian gave 3.3% to their church. In the Great Depression, the average Christian gave more than we're giving right now in what is termed the great economy. I mean, since the days of Ronald Reagan, the economy has been on an upward trend with just a few bumps along the road along the way. And in the Great Depression, people gave more uh, per person uh, percentage-wise than they do even today in the great economy. And I want to tell you, when the people of God aren't supporting the work of God, there's something wrong in the house of God. When the people of God aren't supporting the work of God, there's something wrong, wrong, wrong in the house of God. That's exactly what God was saying to Israel in Malachi chapter 3. So would you stand with me in honor of reading God's word? Let's look at Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse number 6. For many of you, these are familiar verses of Scripture, but let's dive into them. Uh, Verse number 6, the Lord said, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances, have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse number eight, will a man rob God? You have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Verse number 12, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land says the Lord of hosts. Thank you, you may be seated. Now let me tell you just a little bit about the book of Malachi and I'll dive in. Malachi is a book that was written to unfaithful priests. The priests were accepting less than quality sacrifices at the hands of the people and God rebuked them. You were supposed to bring a spotless sacrifice and so God early on in the book rebukes the unfaithful priests but then God rebukes the unfaithful people. And they were unfaithful because they were calling evil good and good evil. And when, when Malachi gave out God's warning, there was a call to repentance. And he said, the Lord is coming. And the coming he was talking about was the coming of the first coming of Jesus. But he said, the Lord's coming. He's bringing vengeance. He'll bring judgment on you and you should repent. And one of the areas of repentance that he talks about in the book of Malachi, getting your heart ready for God is this area of tithing and giving. So let me show you three things. Man, there's so much in this. Let me show you three things God said to them that I think we can hear today individually about giving. Number one, I want to tell you this. That is money, money is an indicator of your overall spiritual condition. Money is an indicator of your overall spiritual condition. Look what the verses say. 
Yet from the days of your fathers, verse number seven, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse number eight, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God said, in tithes and offerings. Now, let me set the scene for you there. God told the Israelites, get this, that they were far from him, far from him in their heart, far from him in their walk. And God said, I want you to return to me. And if you'll get your heart turned back to me, you'll get your spiritual house in order. I'll turn back to you and I'll start blessing you. So immediately God says, return to me. And they start saying, whoa, God, whoa, slow your roll, player. What are you talking about? Return to you. We're fine. Nothing wrong in our lives. As a matter of fact, we've got our spiritual checklist, God, and we're checking everything off. I'm reading the Bible, not doing it, but I'm reading it, and I'm prayer, praying, not good prayers, but I'm praying, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing all these things. God, I, I got all this down. I'm checking all my stuff off the list, and they said, so what do you mean our heart's not right with you? And God said, oh, you've robbed me. Now, that word robbed there is so interesting, and I don't have a enough time to spend on it this morning, but it means to take by force. It's not the word thieve or steal, it's rob, to take by force. In our vernacular, it would mean that you took it at gunpoint. God said, you have robbed me, and they're not, they're not getting it yet. And they said, well, hold on, God. We, nobody's robbed you. Because the only way they could imagine that they could rob God was to have gone into the temple and to steal the gold and silver and maybe instruments out of the temple. That's the only way they could imagine robbing God. And so they said, whoa, God, they were Southern. Ain't nobody robbed you, God. It's all good. And God said, well, you've robbed me because you've not been giving tithes or offerings. I don't have a cricket soundtrack, but if I did, cue the crickets. Because they didn't say a word. So here's what God told them. Here's the deal. They weren't right with him. And there was one indicator that their heart was far from God. And get this, it wasn't Bible. It wasn't prayer. It, was some gro it wasn't gross immorality. Here's what it was. It was their checkbook. It was their giving. And God is telling them that your giving is an indicator of your overall spiritual condition because here's what God was trying to get across, that the spiritual discipline of giving is an indicator of how much you trust God. It's an indicator of your passion for God. It's an indicator of your commitment to God. It's an indicator of your walk with God. It's an indicator how much you believe in heaven and how much you believe in eternity. See, God doesn't have to ask you about all those other things one at a time. God doesn't have to say, do you trust me? Are you committed to me? Are you living for me? Do you believe in eternity? God didn't have to ask you all that. God can ask you one question and it answers all of those. Are you giving your tithes and offerings? Well, no, God, but there's, I guess that's the only question I need to ask. Because if you don't trust me enough that you trust me with your finances, the truth is you're not walking with me on a daily basis. And God told the Israelites, he said, I can ask you one question, the money question. And I know the answer to everything else. 
And dear Christian, I want you to know that the same is true today of what God said to the Israelites in Malachi chapter 3, that there is the one question. You say, oh, but I trust God. Let's look at your checkbook. Because that's the question that answers all the other questions. I made no bones. I showed you the picture last week. I didn't bring it this week. I showed you the picture last week of all the food you gave me for. And let me say thank you, man. Y'all are so generous. If you missed last week, I, I gave a thank you. And it's, we, we even got a couple of cards in the mail this week. Thank you so much for uh, uh, what you gave us. It was such a blessing. You're so nice. And, and obviously, I have talked about Pringles and Oreos quite a bit, right? Like I... I obviously have brought that up a lot. Now, and I've also talked about this. I've talked about broccoli quite a bit too, right? Like y'all have heard me talk about broccoli. That just not my favorite food. Let me, let me say it differently. Uh, I, I don't really like it. Let me say that differently. I hate broccoli. <laughs> so, so if I say to you, I hate broccoli, don't be coming up to me with your broccoli recipes. You'd be like, well, have you tried it steamed? I hate broccoli. Well, have you tried it? Fried, I hate broccoli. Have you tried it break, baked? I hate broccoli. Have you tried it on a grill? Listen to me. You can dip it in cheese and cover it in chocolate. I hate broccoli. All the other questions are unnecessary. I like Pringles. What kind of Pringles? I said I like Pringles. I like plain and low, I like the low sodium Pringles. I like the barbecue and the salt and vinegar and you name it. I like them all. You don't have to ask me all the details. The one answer to the one question solves everything. Do you like, bro hey, broccoli, don't ask me how you cook it. I don't even want your recipe. Because I hate broccoli. The answer to that question answers all the other questions. Can I say to you, God is concerned about how you handle your money, not because he needs your money, but because it's an indicator of your overall spiritual condition. It answers the question, do you trust God? It answers the question, do you love God? It answers the question, do you believe in eternity? It answers the question, are you committed to the cause of Christ? It is the checkbook test. So ask yourself the question, do you pass or do you fail? What would God say about you? Now, here's what's interesting. Don't miss this. God accused them of robbery. And that brings up the image of you taking something that doesn't belong to you. You're, you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. Do you hear me? You're taking something that doesn't belong to you. Let me show you a Bible verse. Leviticus 27. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. That's one verse, but it said multiple times in the Bible, the tithe is the Lord's. And here's the, here's the funky thing about it. It's in your checkbook on Friday. But it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And God gives it to you as nothing more than a test. It's a spiritual indicator. And God wants to see what are you going to do with it. And if you keep it, if I keep it, and I spend it on myself in this world, on things that do not matter, it's nothing more than an indicator. And God said, you have robbed. What was in my checkbook, God? I said, I know, but the tithe belongs to me.
I'll show you the second thing he says is, and you need to hear this quickly. Number two is, if you keep it, you'll lose it. If you keep it, you'll lose it. Now, I want you to hear this. This is one of the most amazing things in the Bible you'll ever see. Verse number nine. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Notice that, cursed with a curse. Verse number 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now there's two things going on here. Here's what was going on. They were keeping their tithes and offerings, but they were losing it. How? God cursed the fruit of their hands. Whatever they made, God cursed it because they weren't tithing. And then he sent a devourer into their midst to eat what uh, they were robbing God of and it ate so much more. So while they were holding on to what wasn't theirs, they were actually losing it because God cursed the work of their hands and he turned loose or let loose a devourer in their midst. So in effect, if they kept it, they lost it and then they lost more than what they kept. And at the end of the day, they were worse off by holding on to what was God's. Now look this way. This is a hard lesson to learn sometimes. But look this way. If you're a child of God, you are not going to lose more by keeping what doesn't belong to you. You're not going to have more, excuse me, by keeping what doesn't belong to you. You're not going to have more by keeping what doesn't belong to you. Why? You're going to have less. Why? Because when you keep what belongs to the Lord, you are losing the favor of God. And I want to tell you, the favor of God is far more important than a few extra dollars in your checkbook. Because when you lose the favor of God, you get the curse of God in your life. You get the devourer of God in your life. What does that mean? It means that by trying to hold on to it, you're going to lose it. There's a couple named Ben and Jackie Belknap, and they lived in Utah, and they, they were big Utah football fans, and they'd been saving their money for uh, over a year to buy season tickets to Utes football games. So they'd been putting the money in a white envelope, and when it came time to pay for the tickets, uh, she went and looked, Jackie did, for the envelope, and she couldn't find the envelope anywhere, and she just kept looking. They searched the whole house. She remembered exactly where she put it, and she went and searched the whole house over, and finally, she found this. That's a shredder. Their two-year-old son, Leo that she let help shred bills when she was paying their monthly bills. And she said, I always remember to turn the shredder off, but I didn't last time. And Leo found some other envelopes while we weren't looking. And one of the envelopes he found was over $1,000 they had saved up. Bless little Leo's heart. I'd make him, when he turned 16, I'd make him tape it all back together if it was me. I'd save the pile of uh, dollars. I showed you that picture because, can I tell you this? When you don't tithe, it's like running a shredder through your life. Some of you can't get ahead 
Some of you, stuff keeps breaking. Some of you, just when you think you're ahead, some of you, you're not getting that raise or that promotion or breaks never seem to fall your way. You say, preacher, what's going on? Here, the answer is simple. There is a devourer in your midst and you are never, ever going to get ahead by robbing God. You're never going to get on top by robbing God. Can I tell you this? This is a personal testimony, but there are hundreds of people in this room that would say it. God can make the 90% go farther than the 100% ever could. Some of you here today and you're behind financially, you're under constant financial pressure. Can I tell you, tithing doesn't put more pressure on you to alleviate it. Some of you here, and you, 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 you live week to week, and, and, and you think, well, preacher, I, I can't tithe. Tithing doesn't hurt. It helps. Some of you here own a business. You're like, you're like, preacher, but if I tithe, that'd be a lot of money. I know, but if you're not careful, God will unleash a devourer in your midst. It's just what happens when you rob God. Can I tell you this statement? Now, really, I've said this twice today. Everybody look at me. I know, awkward. Y'all okay? Everybody okay? Take a breathe. Some of you aren't breathing, all right? Just breathe. Breathe. Now, hear what I'm about to say, and you can't quote half this sentence or I'll be fired, all right? You can't quote half this sentence, so hang with me. Don't tweet this out. The church is thankful for every dollar given. That is the honest and goodness truth, thankful for every dollar given. Please, please hear me say this. That's half the sentence. The church is thankful for every dollar given, but we could get by without your giving. But you can't. This is not about the church needs more. This is about you need God not to let a devourer in your midst. You need to break the curse. You need to get the spiritual discipline of tithing and giving down. Because if you keep it, you'll lose it. And by the way, God, I think, used that word devourer for a reason. The devourer is not limited to our finances. Some of you are having relationship problems, family problems, job problems. The list may go on and on and on. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'm not a prosperity gospel. The Lord knows the Bible doesn't teach Todd today and be, drive a Mercedes tomorrow or whatever it may be, a Tesla or whatever it may be. God doesn't say that at all. Hear me, God doesn't say that. But here's what I'm telling you, that when a devourer is let loose in your life, it just eats everything in its path. If you keep it, can I tell you, you will lose it. That leads me to the third thing. Number three, if you give it, You'll get it back. Look what verse 10 says. This is so amazing. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That'd be the equivalent of the church today. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If, if I will not, I love this, open for you the windows of heaven. And pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, here's what he's trying to say. God unleashes in these verses the greatest double-sided promise in all of Scripture, and it's about giving. Now, here's what he says on one side, that if you'll, give, if you'll quit robbing God, he will rebuke the devourer in your lives. He'll get rid of the devourer. That's on one side of the coin, but there's more. If you bring the tithes into the house of God so the mission of God can go on, then God even says, by the way, it's the only time in Scripture God said, test me, try me. Give your tithe and see if you want it back. The only time we're ever allowed to test or try God 
is in the area of tithing and giving. And here's what God said. If, if, you'll, if you'll test me, you just, just try it. Here's what I'll do. I won't just rebuke the devourer because you've stopped robbing me. Here's what God said. I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out so many blessings, you'll have more than you need. I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out so many blessings, you'll have more than you need. If you give it, if you give it, you get it back and then some. If you only hear one thing I say today, hear what I'm about to say. Tithing is not about math or money. Tithing is about a relationship with God. Tithing is not about math or money. Tithing is about a relationship with God. And God says, if you want the favor of heaven, here's all you've got to do. You have got to tithe and give. And I'll unleash the windows of heaven. I don't know if you saw the story, it was a little while ago, Andrew Lloyd, he's 23, he lives in Australia. When he was a little boy, Andrew uh, entered one of those contests on back of a cereal box, you know, that you win, and he won something, and he said he immediately became addicted to winning things. As a matter of fact, he, he entered so many contests, his parents had to cut off his phone privileges, because he was always calling numbers and entering contests, and they were afraid he was going to give away private information. So he got, became an adult, he got older and he was 23 years old and so Andrew was out on his own and he decided to enter a thousand contest. Now we're talking about cereal boxes, we're talking about uh, unscrew the Diet Coke and enter the numbers, a thousand different contests. He only had one rule and that was he could not enter the same contest twice. So for 20, for 50 days he entered 20 contest a day for 50 days it was a full-time job he entered 20 contests a day to see what he would win there's what he won he won let me quote it to you four prizes a blu-ray disc some snacks Tickets to a rugby game and tickets to a motorhome show, which I'm pretty sure are free anyway. <laughs> Snacks, a Blu-ray disc, which I don't even have a way to play a Blu-ray disc at my house or DVDs or VCRs or any of that stuff or beta. Anybody remember beta? I don't have any of that. Four things, and here's what he said, and I'm going to quote it. I've learned that if you enter enough competitions, you will likely win something, but get this, the input is not worth the output. The input is not worth the output. Can I tell you, when it comes to giving to God, the opposite of that is true. When you give your tithes and offerings to God, the output is so much more than you gave. And so God challenges you to tithe. Just close your Bibles. Let me finish up. The Lord said to test him. 
Can I tell you that I've never met a person who wanted their tithe money back? I've never, ever met a person who said, I regret tithing. Why? Because God has given all of us back more than we've ever given to him. You want God's favor in your life? Can I tell you this, that that's going to extend beyond your finances? You want God's favor in your life in every area of your life. And I can't tell you all it means to have God's favor in your life. I just know that if there is a chance that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out more blessings on me than I could possibly receive. Get this, get this. This is the only promise in the entire Bible. Out of thousands of promises, this is the only one that says that. That God will heap on you more than you can possibly receive. I can't afford to pass that opportunity up, can you? Because the favor and the blessings of God are not just in our finances. The favor and blessings of God are in every area of life. And this is the promise, the only one that says, I'll open the windows of heaven. And God just says, I'll, I'll dump a big load of heaven on you and you won't know what to do with it. There is no other way. You can't read your Bible into that promise. You can't pray into that promise. You can't come to church enough into that promise. The only way to do it is to develop the spiritual discipline of giving. So let's stand together. Look this way. Stand together. I want to give personal testimony today that my wife and I have given our tithes when we did not have it to give. We've written tithe checks and I was afraid I was going to get something back, but I was afraid it was going to be a bad check I got back in the mail. But we never did, and God blessed. We tithe through lean times. We gave through good times. And my wife and I will tell you, we'll never, ever want $1 back from the Lord. As a matter of fact, tithing has caused us to give above and beyond our tithes. And that's so many testimonies. Man, in between services, people just telling me, hey, here, that's my, that's my, that's my testimony. Now, let me, sit, let me tell you this. This is not the promise of tithe today, rich tomorrow. Nowhere in Scripture is that true. Here's what this promise is. The spiritual discipline of tithing and giving over a protracted period of time in your Christian life will cause you to look back on your life and say, God, bless me in so many ways. Sometimes you have to go through the blessings to realize what you had. This is not tithe the day and that's not how it works. It's a spiritual discipline. The first thing you do, the Bible says your tithe is the first fruits. The first thing I do, I pay bills once a month. The very first thing I do is I have a deposit line and then I have tithe, tithe. Two checks a month come out automatically through our online giving. Automatically. So first thing I want to make sure happens with what God blesses us with. It's not instant, but it's powerful. It's powerful. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we're not talking about money to you. We're talking about Christ as your Savior, your sins forgiven, heaven is your home. 
That's as simple as ABC. Admit that you cannot save yourself. You're a sinner. Believe Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose again the third day, and confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. That's how you become a Christian. There's some of you here today you need to... We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.